You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. I'm Courtney. I'm Allison. And we're Courtney and Allison, and this is the Double X Files, a podcast that is sometimes about the X Files tonight. It is going to be about why you should not put rape into a comedic episode, Chris Carter. Yeah. If there's one thing I could say about this episode, it's that it just, it really fucking sucked. It really fucking sucked. And I hated it so much, it drained all the energy out of my body, and now I'm dead. Me too, and I didn't have any to begin with. <laughs> what? Oh my god, are you doing okay? Oh no, I'm a, I'm a husk. Oh god, I felt like ghosts were leaving my body as I watched this. <laughs> yeah, it's always those comedy episodes, isn't it? Right? It's those kooky episodes. You know, I was having this discussion uh, uh, with Colin of like, you know what? There's a lot of comedic episodes that just like uses rape. Yeah. Like almost all of them. I'm super tired of it. Me too. Because every time we record a podcast about one of these episodes, we say, hey, please stop doing this. And they made the show like 20 years ago. So they won't. Nope. It will keep coming. No one will listen to us, Allison. And uh, what is worse is this is an episode that people enjoy. Yeah, people like this one. Because it's kooky. Oh, it's... Yeah. Sure. I mean, didn't you hear the music? <laughs> I did. That was the first thing I wrote down, actually. <laughs> I wrote comedy music. But before we get into my notes, I will read yes. the description. Please do gotta do this properly yeah we wouldn't want to wouldn't want to not do it properly (laughs) uh so we watched season five episode five the postmodern prometheus and here's the netflix description townspeople in rural indiana believe a local legend that a frankenstein-like creature roams the countryside Mulder and skelly arrive to investigate Uh, that's it that's it cool oh well I mean, I wish that was it. That would have been nice. Yeah. Um, I thought when we started out this episode, mm-hmm. it was in black and white. Yeah, it was like sepia tone the whole way through. Yeah, and uh, that was kind of neat. Uh, see, you know, there are episodes of different TV shows that put on, put on that black and white to get a different kind of feeling in terms of lighting and mise en scene. <laughs> But this, it felt like some sort of Andy Griffith black and white hellscape as we began. I, to me, it felt like someone who wants to do a send up of Hitchcock, but doesn't really get the genre. Was it supposed to be Hitchcockian? No, but that's all I could think of with the the, the reporter character. Oh, yeah, actually, that's a good, yeah, that's a hot take there. We'll talk about her later. First, we are introduced to two good old boys. One is named Booger. Correct. And I don't remember who the other boy was, but Booger is an important character to me personally. Okay. You liked Booger. Gotcha. Well, that was my nickname growing up. Oh, right. Yeah. Did I tell you the story of how I got that nickname? No, but I'd love to hear it. Uh, 
So, my parents put me in sports. Oh, no. Because I, you know, was a rotund child, so I needed a little bit of extra exercise. So, I did swim team, and I did t-ball in the summer. Uh, and um, the coach knew I wasn't great <laughs> at the t-ball so he put me in shortstop which is in between first and second i believe i don't know but uh my father frequently took pictures of me with my pointer finger or sorry yeah pointer finger just like up third to the third knuckle into oh, my nose oh no courtney and just like just real rooting around in there, so that my my dad and my mom has like well, like ten pictures of me in different games. So my family called me Booger, and uh, you know, still, I mean, I guess I lived my truth. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You weren't afraid to go out there and be yourself, and I respect that. I followed my bliss. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was up my nose. Yeah, that's where everyone's bliss normally is. I think. Mm-hmm. So Booger, Booger and another guy, they're off to the comic book convention. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the lady, she is watching Jerry Springer. Yeah. So basically this scene, she's in her bed. She's watching Jerry Springer. There's a wolf boy on. Um, and the whole gist that I got from this scene was would set the tone for the rest of the episode. But it basically told me that the thesis statement of this episode was women are idiots. And that's hilarious. Or is it women or is it extending to everyone in this podunk Indiana town? Oh, it did eventually extend to everyone in the town. But this is the thing that got me initially was like, this woman, we're supposed to, you know, have these assumptions about her that she's not very intelligent, blah, 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 blah. Um, Yeah. And and that that is a source of humor. Ha, ha, ha. Because it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's fine, you know, whatever your intelligence level, that doesn't matter. But when you say, oh, like this person's intelligence level is a source of humor, that fucking sucks. Yeah, man. It super duper sucks. So we started off, hey, this was just the cold open. Yeah, it was. And it left me pretty cold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is... So it was some sort of Andy Griffith hellscape that I could not release myself from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. The... um thesis that you're talking about is continued in Mulder and Scully after the do 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 Oh, well, we should mention what happens to the woman. Well, she... There's just smoke. Mm-hmm. And then there's a guy in the house, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And the uh, the uh, bug tent. And the bug Which tent. Which actually really had no connection to anything. Yeah, they didn't say where that bug tent went. Yeah, I thought that they were going to be like exterminators or something, but that was just really completely unconnected to a single thing. No, it was just to keep the smoke in, I guess. Yeah, but it just... Oh, boy. I thought that was going to be the smoking gun, too. Like, oh, this guy has this bug tent, and he's not an exterminator. He's just a farmer. (laughs) Allison, nothing makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, So we get the da-da-da-da-da-da's. Yes. And then, you were saying about Mulder and Scully? They are on the road, and Scully is reading a letter. And it's the woman that we saw before the da 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 And she saw Mulder's name on the Jerry Springer show because Mulder helped out the lady with the werewolf baby. Yes, the wolf baby. 
Which is weird because he just had the hair growing thing. Yeah. It, I, you know, I'm sure it was one of those things that he saw and he couldn't resist getting involved in. And then he was like, oh, it's just, it's just this hair thing. Okay, that's fine. It's not a real wolf baby. No, of course it's not, Mulder. <laughs> what do you mean it's not a real wolf baby? No, no, it's just like a gene mutation, my dude. What? Now, I don't know about you. I didn't watch a lot of Jerry Springer as a kid, but I mm. did watch a lot of Jenny Jones and Maury Povich. Okay, I did watch the uh, Jerry Springer. I was I, I I flicked to it every once in a while as a child. Yeah, and I like this episode really puts forth that people that watch these shows are like I don't know, unintelligent or you know trash. Yeah, that they're they, they're trash. Just... But for me, watching those shows, it wasn't like it wasn't like ogling some other lifestyle. Like it wasn't like being. Like, oh, look at these people. Uh, they're all pregnant and stuff. It was like, oh my god, is that what teenagers are like? <laughs> I think there was some air of Jerry Springer being uh, a exhibition of quote-unquote white trash. Yeah, that was definitely, like, supposed to be the vibe of it. But that's never the reason that I watched those kind of shows. No, you just watched it to know what teens like you were like? Yeah, well, because I watched it before I was a teen, you know, when I would be homesick uh -huh. from, from school right after Price is Right. Um, and there would always be episodes about like, oh, my teen daughter, I can't handle her. And it just like, I don't know, I think it might have affected me, man. <laughs> How so? You think like you had this expectation of what a teen was supposed to be? I think I was, oh, I think my whole teenagehood, I was trying to counter what I thought might happen to me. Oh, you thought, oh. I thought one day I'd just go bad. You thought that it was deep down inside of you, like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And then I would have to go to boot camp. And then one day you would just like wake up with really thick black eyeliner. Yeah, absolutely. Mom, you don't understand. I just want to listen to the Smiths. <laughs> right? You can't make me go to boot camp. Wasn't there a reality TV show about, like, teen boot camp? Ah, probably. They, yeah. It was real big for a while there. <laughs> kind of sucks, though. See, I kind of had the opposite effect, because when I was a teen, uh, we used to watch the shows with, like, the teen boot camp and this and that and the 2020 about, like, teens going bad. And my mom's like, hey, I'm glad that you're not like that. And then inside of me, I'm like, but I want to be. <laughs> so there's more role models for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's it's turned me to the badass I you know and love today. <laughs> Excellent. So Muller and Skelly go to Shanae Berkowitz's house, who we see at the beginning. Uh, I have a uh, piece of trivia for you, Allison. Okay. Shanae Berkowitz is played by Patty Tierce in this episode, but it was actually written for another star who appears in a family sitcom just about a bunch of hicks. What actress do you think Chris Carter wanted to play Shanae? Uh, I feel like I know the answer to this one. What do you think? Oh, Alex, what is Roseanne Barr? Ding, ding, ding. You got it. <laughs> Yay, I win Jeopardy. <laughs> you win. Uh, so apparently this episode was written with Roseanne Barr in mind, uh, but she was unavailable for the time of shooting. And so was Cher. 
Yeah, no joke. <laughs> you can't get Cher. If I was Cher, I'd be like, never call here again. Please. What's your name? Chris Curter? Don't care. <laughs> I don't roll out of bed for 20 mil. <laughs> I'm Cher, motherfucker. That was the most unrealistic part of this episode to me. Cher playing in a, uh, a quiet, like, intimate oh. club setting. No, no, no. Don't worry. I have a, I, I have an explanation for the whole thing. Okay, Allison. good. Good. I'm glad. Don't, don't you worry. You got us covered once again. <laughs> so Roseanne Barr, uh, poor man's Roseanne Barr, <laughs> actress Patty Tears, she calls in Mulder and Scully because she heard about Mulder helping out uh, the wolf boy's baby. Wait, the wolf boy's mom. Yeah. And she introduced her son, Izzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the camera pans to uh, Izzy and a pig. And uh, Roseanne Barr says, hey, they, he doesn't he have the cutest nose and curly little tail? Because son, her son's a pig. Waka, waka, waka. Them's the jokes, friends. <laughs> I just thought it was cute if your son was a pig. Honestly, about halfway through this episode... Uh, I started wishing that this episode was just about that one pig. <laughs> you know it the was one. some pig. I was like, hey, wouldn't that be great? This whole episode is just about that one pig. There's nothing spooky about it. There's no X-Files. It's just like Babe. <laughs> Maybe I should just watch Babe or Babe 2, Pig in the City. Babe Pim- Pig in the City was a dystopian nightmare. Well, yeah. Wasn't it? It was pretty scary. It was pretty scary. Anyway, it wasn't about that pig. It was about Izzy. Yes. Who was a product of rape? Apparently. Oh, hey, friends, strap in, because this is when Scully gets real shitty. Yeah, she starts to get real shitty, and she don't stop for the rest of the episode. She says, did you make a report? And Roseanne Barr says, well, yeah. And Scully says, and now you're pregnant again and you didn't call the police? And she's like, well, it took a couple months to figure this out. It's just really, really shitty. Yeah. Um, Scully also says, oh, are you sure you didn't drink too much? Yep. So this is the, the, the one of those many moments where we have to remind people that Scully does not belong on that pedestal you put her on. She is also written... The words coming in out of her mouth are written by white, shitty men. Yep. Uh, so she's not the feminist hero you know and love. No. Very true. What happens next? Uh, what happens next? That's a good question. It's a very good question, Courtney. <laughs> I definitely know what it is that happens. They go into Izzy's room... Oh, yeah. And they see the comic book. See, I knew that. So the comic book is about uh, the the Great Mutado, which apparently um, Matt Groening actually had a comic of the same name in an episode of The Simpsons, and Chris Carter had to call him and ask for permission to use that title. Oh, is it? Oh, my God, really? Is it kind of the same, like, creature? I'm not sure. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so this is a comic about a Frankenstein-like creature, and uh, Skelly says, oh, well, this seems like a big coincidence that he's just the, this person that you've all seen is this uh, character that you've drawn in a in a comic book. Yes, it was a really well put together comic book for looked, a kid. It looked very good. Yeah, it was very professional. I guess that's why he was going yeah. to Comic-Con. 
I guess it was. Maybe he had a table. Um, so after this whole thing, Scully is kind of, she does not believe Roseanne Barr. No. And, which is weird because, you know, she had a child as a product of rape and apparently she's pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And Scully says to Mulder, why are you humoring them, Mulder? And Mulder says, well, Scully, this is a very serious crime. And Scully says, quote, so is perjury. Oh, Scully. Scully. Don't make us, don't make us side with Mulder. Come on. Oh, God. Well, uh, well, don't worry. Mulder gets shitty, too. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah, true. Scully says this is a product of daytime talk shows and reality TV. This is a culture that is built to do anything to gain a piece of spotlight. So Scully is saying that basically this woman is making up a rape uh, to get on Jerry Springer. Yeah, that's exactly what she's saying. And this is like where Scully really starts her sort of like classist rant of the episode. Mmm, delicious. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about, yeah, about how basically these people are, uh, you know, not as intelligent, so therefore not as worthy as her, and this whole town is just kind of full of yokels. And Mulder, and Mulder says, hey, Scully, you can't reduce these people to cultural stereotypes. Yep. Now, I want to remind you that this whole episode including the the diner scene is full of cultural stereotypes oh that's like basically what it the whole episode is built on so here again we have uh, an episode of the x-files where Mulder is a mouthpiece to say hey maybe we shouldn't make fun of this culture meanwhile the episode behind Mulder's back is making fun of that culture yeah that diner scene was particularly horrific it was very, very bad. Yes. <laughs> um, so Mulder and Scully go with Izzy out to this field where he puts down a peanut butter sandwich. He says, that's that's this guy's favorite food. Uh, and then they manage to lure him out of the woods. He takes a couple bites of the PB sandwich and then bolts when they start running after him. Allison, have you just, like, ever wanted just to buy a loaf of Wonder Bread and just slap on some margarine and just go nuts with it. Just margarine? Or like peanut butter. Yeah, peanut- just something like... Courtney, that's yeah. my main diet right now. <laughs> Wonder bread? Well, just like white bread. Yeah. But I'm talking about like the 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 expensive $5 loaf of like enriched grain bleached white Wonder bread. Hey, I've had my fair share. Mmm. Yum, yum, yum. What makes it so wonderful? Um, Preservatives. Like, I I want to know because it it I I feel like Wonder Bread was a 1950s thing. Yeah, because I can see like the kids go, "Wow, mom, I want some Wonder Bread," and it still exists today in a world where we love us some quinoa and kale. So I wonder what it's like done to change its uh, its 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 advertising. Well, I think the the thing about Wonder Bread is that it does have preservatives, so it does keep for longer. Mm. Um, so it can be a better option, um, you know, if you have a smaller household and people don't eat as much bread, then you have one loaf that lasts longer rather than having to buy a loaf, like, every couple days. Oh, is it, like, a loaf? Wait, every couple days? Well, I don't know how how often people buy bread if they have big families. Well, how often do you buy bread? Uh, once a week. Yeah, I just keep my bread in the freezer. Yeah, but... I think 
that's just why I think it came about. That's all I'm saying. Oh, 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 okay. I thought it was like, look at how white it is. <laughs> Maybe. Probably tastes like sugary too, huh? I don't think it tastes sugary. Not from my recollection. Oh, I don't remember. I never got Wonder Bread as a kid. I got the knockoff stuff. Oh. We weren't, we didn't have, we didn't have Wonder Bread money. (laughs) (laughs) So, the kooky music starts and they chase the great mutato and they keep calling the great mutato it. Yes. Which is another thing I have a problem with. And the old farmer says, get off my land. And he has a cute pig. And I want the story to be about that pig. Yeah, that pig is the best part and only good part of this episode. Is he our background boy? Yes, he is. Mmm, I love him. (laughs) Also, character actor, Jay Peterman, the science guy. (laughs) Surprise. Uh, So um, Mulder and I don't Do you remember why they went to talk to him? Uh, uh, nope. Okay. Um, so Mulder and Skelly go to talk to Jay Peterman, the scientist, who tells Skelly that he won't, uh, she won't understand what he's talking about because it's science. Um, and she says, try me, I too am a scientist. And he says, well, I took some flies and I put their hands where their eyes should be. (laughs) I mean, why not? I'm Jay Peterman, motherfucker. (laughs) I came up with the urban sombrero. Come on. Oh, Jay Peterman. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just fucking with some fruit flies, man. Yep. He's just like, I do what I want. Yeah, because he's a scientist. Like, this is, I mean, this is like the heyday uh, thought of science in the 1960s of like, hey, why do this? Because we fucking can. Yeah, pretty much. Back in the uh, the good old MK Ultra days. Yeah. Why pump bars full of sailors full of std or stds full of lsd because we can why why uh fill oatmeal with uh uh radioactive particles for kids just just see what happens why raise a monkey as a child and try to teach it language because we can hey you leave nimchipsky out of this Nimchimsky. You've heard of Nimchimsky, right? Yeah, yeah. I listened I listened to a podcast on Nimchimsky. That's why I reckon that's why uh he had such a tragic story, hey? Yes, he really did. God. He like breastfed from ladies and like smoked marijuana and partied hard with some drugs, and then they sent him off to this like torture farm. That's the sixties for you. <sighs> Poor Nimchimsky. He was the tra- most tragic character of the 60s. <laughs> yeah, it was Nim Chimsky that was the most tragic character of the 60s. You know who else is very tragic who? in this episode, Allison? Tell me. The person with their finger on the thunder and lightning button. <laughs> no. Right? <laughs> it was so bad. Yes, yeah, pretty bad. It's just like, I get it. <laughs> it's spooky. It creates ambiance. <laughs> but every single thing that they said, it was... Doom, 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 doom. That's like every every single punctuation was punctuated with a thunder and lightning. I get it. Well, usually it's punctuated with a musical sting, so... Well, it was both. It was just... It was nuts, man. It, was, it went buck wild. 
Mulder says, hey, if you don't experiment on humans, what's the point? Oh, God, I missed that. That's awful. He basically says, who could resist experimenting and creating life in his own image? Well, most people, honestly. Like, like every, every scientist? I mean, not Nazi scientists, but probably every other scientist. But doesn't, earlier he says, like, trying to create life in your own image is just called having a kid. That's what, yeah, I think that's what Scully says. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why, you know what, that's why a lot of people out there have kids. It's like, I want a mini me running around. Hey, you know me? I'm great. Gotta make one of those. (laughs) I can mold them in my image. I can make them like what I like. If you had a child that was you. (laughs) Oh, God. What's one thing you would do while raising it to maybe make a change that you didn't get to experience? Well, I would try desperately to rid my little small Courtney clone of the anxieties that I grew up with as a child. So probably not let it wa- let them watch the X-Files. <laughs> That's very wise. Or scary things. I don't know. I don't know what the neurosis. I don't know. Probably my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I would get my child a dog. Aww. And the dog would be a protector. And then my little baby, Courtney, would grow up being very safe and secure. That's sweet. What would you do? I would I would just encourage myself to be as weird as I possibly could be. That's very nice. Not that my parents didn't do that. They definitely did. <laughs> uh, you would also probably encourage little Allison to kill little Courtney for her intestinal tract so you could replace little Allison's intestinal oh, tra- tract. God, yes, would I ever. <laughs> Just switch colons. Can I tell you? No, that's going to be too gross, actually. <laughs> I mean, you could tell me and you could edit it out if you want. <laughs> Sometimes my cat poops on the floor. Uh-huh. And I am jealous Of the formation? Yes. <laughs> of the what's quality your... and the form. What's the what's your what's Dutch's Bristol stool chart like? Oh, she's usually at a pretty good four or five. Oh god. That's a sweet spot. That's where you wanna be. <laughs> Please don't cut this out. That's perfect. <laughs> oh no, I'm jealous of people like I'm jealous of Colin shits all the time. I used to know this guy in college. And he would take, like, one shit a day. Yeah. But it would take him half an hour. (laughs) Oh, Allison, I used to be there. I used to be that person. Really? Well, I have slow bowel because of my anemia. Mm -hmm. And so before I was on the drugs, uh, or drugs, (laughs) but maybe also (laughs) the drugs, um... I used to have, like, one movement, like, every three days, and it used to be, like, a baby arm. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, a, like a brick. Oh, my God. And then I realized, and, and uh, uh, my significant other at the time told me, hey, that's not normal. <laughs> I just thought everyone pooped like that. Once every three days? Once every three days and just shit a brick. Oh, my God. Courtney. Break the bowl. 
Crack that porcelain. <laughs> Mom, I need a new porcelain telephone. <laughs> I done talk I can't too much. make collect calls online. I talk too much. <laughs> then the hemorrhoids started and just like. Oh, brutal. Oh, bro. Anyway, that was poop corner. Yeah, that's that's been butt stuff for you. <laughs> I feel better now. Yeah. I feel invigorated. We have to talk about poop once a week. Yeah, we do. Um, speaking of like babies, uh. Jay Peterman has a very serious conversation with his wife uh, saying that you can choose having a baby or having a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. I mean. Well, she's like, don't you want a baby? And he's like, no, that's what you want. And then he says, you could have a baby or a Nobel Peace Prize. And it's like, mm, but that sounds like what you want. <laughs> but Al- Allison, Allison, we're getting Nobel Peace Prizes. We are? Well, because we're not having babies. Oh, is that how it fucking works? Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Like, they're going to come in the mail any year now. Do we get that million dollars with it? Do, do, they, do you get money with it? You get a million dollars with the Nobel Prize. I think we have to come up with something to make the world a better place before we act. Like, it can lowball it because, like, we, I mean, we qualify. We don't have children. So it, we can, like, lowball it. Yeah, we're not doing great, though. Mm, let's invent, like, a new cereal. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got me. I'm in. That tastes real good. But also stops people from being racist. Oh, man. If we could do that, that would be a right? trick and a half. That Our Nobel Peace Prize would be like, okay, these girls got it. No babies. Made a cereal that made people not racist. Done. And they would send us the million dollars and a, I guess like a sticker. I don't really know what the Nobel Peace Prize is in actuality. Like a certificate? I think it's like a medal. A medal? I could do a medal. I would wear a medal out. <laughs> you can rock that if you won the Nobel peace prize would you just like wear it everywhere no i think because that would draw too much attention and also start a lot of conversations which as you know i don't <laughs> like to have i would just like wear that shit to starbucks <laughs> yeah see me big bitch boss i got my Nobel peace prize i want my pumpkin spice latte you're very peaceful you sound very peaceful right well, I did make an amazing cereal. I don't know if you heard about it. <laughs> oh, you're a racist? You probably haven't. <laughs> so, Mulder Poo Poo's uh, Scully's stereotype talk. And in the very next scene, stereotypes are just over, just gushing out of this diner scene. Yeah, okay, so Mulder goes into this diner and... It, like, there's a, a long counter full of people, and they're these town, the people that live in the town. And this is our first real look at the, you know, the sort of idea of this episode that everyone in this town is supposed to be, like, a quote-unquote yokel. Um, and you can tell they did some very specific casting in this episode. <laughs> they definitely yep. wanted people that were not, you know... Um, Tra- traditional beauties. Yeah, they did not go for traditional beauty. So you have a like a, a variety of, of uh, different people here rather than what you're kind of used to seeing on television. And also, I want to say that the makeup and the hair was done in a very specific way. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
eyebrows were plucked and hair was a little greasified and the glasses got larger and facial hair got wirier. Uh, it was done in a very specific way. Yeah, all all to make you feel like, hey, I don't have to give a shit about these people. Or, ha ha, aren't they look funny? Tee hee. Yeah. What happens in the diner, Allison? Uh, Mulder goes into the diner, everyone looks at him, um, and then he sits down and the waitress brings him a whole bunch of food and he says, oh, we'll just have a coffee. Uh, and then uh, she says it's on the house uh, from JJ himself and JJ leans out through the little... Uh, uh, half window that they have in restaurants and he says yeah special for me JJ with two J's uh, and then there is a furtive reporter sitting next to Mulder who uh, keeps looking at him and away and is very suspicious yes and um, god the performance from this person playing the reporter is just she's very twitchy yes. now, you said she was very um, Hitchcockian I felt yeah especially in the towards the end of the episode I felt her acting was very mock Hitchcockian. Yes, and her outfit too and her hairstyling yeah. and her glasses. The whole shebang. Um the whole shebang. So this is like a weird stereotype. Again, you have Mulder lecturing Scully on, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover and don't, you know, get classist on me, Scully. And then the episode's like, whoop whoop, look at all these the episodes all like these weirdos. Have you seen this book? It fucking sucks. <laughs> it was bad yeah um now can i tell you one thing that i find inherently wrong with this diner i mean yes it has two long counters facing each other <laughs> if i walked into a restaurant and it had two long counters facing each other i would leave <laughs> because then you might look up and accidentally catch someone's eye across the way precisely yeah man I want the semicircle. Oh, I like a semicircle. And I like a semicircle with giant pie dishes between people. Oh, that's very good. So when I turn my head to the right, it's an apple pie. When I turn my head to the left, it's a lemon meringue. I'm in heaven. I don't mind a pie looking at me. That's fine. I'll make eye contact with a pie all day. <laughs> I'll fucking <laughs> really use my ass. Hey, baby. How you doing? <laughs> Apple pie. Mmm, yum, yum, yum. Got some cheese on you? That's cool. Ooh, interesting. I'm, I get a, I get a little freaky too, baby. <laughs> little banoffee cream pie. I'm into it. <laughs> banoffee. You've been watching Great British Bake Off or something. Yeah, you fucking know it. <laughs> oh, Courtney, I watched the first episode of The Great Canadian Baking Show, which is basically Canadian Bake Off. Yeah, is it nice and pure, pure and good? Oh, it is. But also, it's the most Canadian. Why? Everything is Nanaimo bar flavored. There's like five moms. There's there is a gay hipster who likes craft beer. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> there is um like just this this air of Canadiana about it, and also almost everyone is white, and no one talks about how weird that is. <laughs> That's so Canadian, Alex. It's Allison. very Canadian. <laughs> That's one of the things we do real good. Yeah, we're very good about not talking about our lack of diversity. <laughs> no, I mean, not our lack of diversity, but the lack of diversity that we present in our media. Into the world. Yes, yes. exactly. Exactum, exactamundo. Don't you get me started on Little, Little Mosque on the Prairie, my friend. Oh, I didn't watch it. 
It's actually, it was actually really good. <laughs> oh, have you watched Kim's Convenience? It's supposed to be very funny. Yeah, it's actually really good uh, representation there, which nice. is nice. And I and I hope, I think Little Mosque on the Prairie, they had actually Muslim and Islamic Canadians writing the TV show, which well, was that's really what you want. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, CBC. Hey, way to go, CBC. You make two shows a year, but hey, they're pretty good. <laughs> you make two shows a year, and one of them has fewer than five white people so that's great and one of them has eugene levy (laughs) Uh. contractually obligated to be in at least one of cbc's every two shows per year well one of those shows is murdoch mysteries so (laughs) they don't have room for anything else that's fair now it's time for the kooky rape scene oh god yay finally so jay peterman's wife she's all alone and uh is this one like the oh she's crying and then the bug bomb tent comes up so that's all we see really yeah that's all we get but then we also see uh the great mutato dancing to share yes and this is where i wrote uh stop making rapists comic heroes and like he's actually going up to the bedroom yeah it's it's really not it's not. It's it fucking sucks, you guys. Yeah, it's it is. I'm so sick I, of this. I actually stopped the episode. I'm like, hey, I've got 15 minutes left of this. Cool. I'm gonna just like put my head in a toilet and try to drown myself because it's it. I just wanted it to end. Like at this point, <laughs> I'm just so weary. I'm so so tired. It's t- It's tiring. So Mulder and Skelly, they're on their way out of town. Yeah. And Mulder's like, oh, there's a bug bomb house. Oh, what? And he runs out and goes into the bug bomb house. And it's being bug bomb, so everyone passes the hell out. Well, it's not a bug bomb, actually. Oh, what is it? It is uh, a specific chemical used to pacify livestock. Hmm. Which is how they eventually find the piece. It's just a big Tylenol. Yeah, it's just one big Tylenol. You put it in a frying pan, you set it on high, and you're good to go. <laughs> Um, so when they come to the rape victim is describing her attacker and Mulder and Scully look GD bored. Well, I think they're supposed to be like still experiencing the effects of the, I don't know. It it just came off as like, oh, great. You were raped. Cool. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have like a laissez-faire attitude towards everything that happens in this episode. Yeah. Which includes several serious crimes. <laughs> we go now to the farmhouse with the great mutato watching a movie. Yep. And the movie is Mask featuring Cher. Mmm. Okay. He, he really likes Cher. And do you know why it's Cher? Well, because she was in Mask. No, no. Do you know why this episode, this character is so focused on Cher? Well, Why? It's because Chris Carter spent an entire summer listening to Cher records and became obsessed with her. That's not a joke. It's on the Wikipedia page. Oh, great. I thought it was like the guy was watching Mask and he was like, oh, that main character is like me and Cher is also in the movie and cares about a character like me. So I also care about Cher. I mean, I'm sure that's how the character came about. But the reason that he even picked Cher to begin with was because Chris Carter himself was obsessed with her. Chris Carter, you don't deserve Cher. You do not. 
If I could turn back time. That video is my most formative memory of Cher. If I could find a way. Yes, I know. It was very good. It may have involved a mild sexual awakening. (laughs) I think everyone who watched Cher got a mild sexual awakening. But just that, like, she's on that aircraft carrier. Mm. She's wearing that outfit. Uh Do you remember the outfit? Oh, Allison, I'm closing my eyes and picturing the outfit currently. Oh, it's a hell of an outfit. There was also when Cher had her comeback in, like, 2000 and something. Um... Do you believe in love after love? And her that that fucking outfit that, that was very glittery. Good. Like it's like she plucked stars out of the sky and put them across her breasts. I loved it. I yeah yeah. <laughs> this is our share corner now. <laughs> Time to share about share. Mm, she's ageless and and I love her. Yes, she's wonderful. So the Jay Peterman. Comes over to the farmer's house and Jay Peterman's like, how dare you? And then kills his dad. Yep. True. Great. This is, uh, after this is the second diner scene. Do you remember what happens here? Yeah, Mulder goes in and this time everyone hates him. That's the gist of it. And they pour coffee on his dick. Yep. And he says, hey, you don't want to burn a man there. And Mulder, I absolutely do. (laughs) I specifically want to burn you there. So you never feel feelings down below. This is also when people are like, ah, there's a there's something going on at the post office. Yes. The so the Izzy has ordered a mask that looks like the two headed uh Frankenstein oh, man. No, dude. No. What? That mask was just a butt. It was a butt? It was just a butt. And he was just wearing it on his head? Yeah, he's just a butt. Oh my god, I totally <laughs> missed that. I thought it was a mask. I guess everything's a, anything's a mask if you put it on your face. No, I think it was a mask, but it was a mask just of a butt. It looked like it. It it just would look like a butt. Oh, dear me. It's like something from Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, like those giant fake boobs. Oh, I remember. <laughs> so Mulder and Skelly go to the farm where the farmer is. To see if the, they can find those chemical pucks. And they go to the barn and... Uh, someone is rustling up at the top of the barn and Mulder's like, show yourself. And a chicken falls down and he's like, it's me, a chicken. <laughs> Hi, I did the murder. Uh, and at this point we have seen the Frankenstein mourn his father or grandfather, I guess. I don't know. And then bury him. And it's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm not going to feel bad for you. You've been raping. Yep. And here comes the angry mob. And here comes also the kooky music. Oh, God. This scene, Courtney. (laughs) Actually, my favorite part of the scene is when everyone runs into the barn and and with their, like, pitchforks and their burning torches. Mm -hmm. And then not three seconds later, some guy's like, the barn! on fire and they all leave yes i think that was some intentional comedy (laughs) yuck yuck it's like so wacky courtney it's like someone saw laughing and thought it was real people (laughs) no man that's exactly it yeah it's a it's an in-depth look at laughing and the characterization thereof (laughs) 
<laughs> so smart, Chris Carter. Um, so Mulder and Scully, they find the Frankenstein. Yes. He's in the basement. Yeah. They go meet him, and then the whole crowd comes down, and then a horse looks in the window. And <laughs> I know what Why were the bird animals like, ooh, what's going on? Well, because they had to refer to them later. Yeah, um, I don't get that part. No, You're gonna have either. to carry me through this. <laughs> so Jay Peterman is there and he's he says, you know, my my father made this creature and blah 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 blah. And then um the Frankenstein uh gets a very eloquent speech, uh, where he talks about how actually he was created by Jay Peterman and Jay Peterman's father took him in, uh, and then all he wanted was a mate. And so they Yeah, and he says, I haven't hurt a fly or I wouldn't hurt a fly, my dude. He says, I have never acted to harm another soul. Uh, uh excuse what? me. <laughs> you absolutely have. He actually says to Roseanne Barr, what I did was wrong, but I gave you a loving son. Oh yeah, it's fucked right up. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Wait, okay, now here's my question. Okay, yeah, because I have so many questions too, and probably we have no answers. No, go but, on. Okay, so are they trying to say that it was this Frankenstein that that uh, had raped her to create Izzy? Yeah. But the Frankenstein was created 24 years ago, and Izzy's 18 years old. Well, maybe he... Oh, weird. So was the has the Frankenstein always been that age? Has he never aged? And also, like, even at six years old, his consciousness is six years old. It's very upsetting to think about. Well, it's kind of weird because they say, like, because Roseanne Barr says, well, who's the father? And then they just do a goofy look at the pig. Yeah, because they're saying that, like, uh, the, the grandfather had tried to... Or Jay Peterman's father tried to learn the science and then, like, tried to impregnate people with animal stuff. And it's just very confusing and not definitive and really upsetting no matter how you slice it. So do you, are they saying that Jay Peterman's father impregnated Roseanne Barr with, like, a half-pig baby? Maybe? And so... Izzy is half pig, but it didn't work out. So now that Mutato is a real boy and a real man, he's just going to rape people to get what he wants? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, I I think think we solved it. And it's really gross. You can't say that you'd never act to harm another person when you, like, got a circus tent and put it over their house and then fried a, a, like a... A drug in a pan so they'd pass out for three days so that you could have sex with them. Because that's harm. That's harm. But don't worry, Allison. He gets his upcomings, right? Well, but then, he, and the, the thing that bothered me also is what he, he's talking about, like, you know, if you could build someone as horrible and miserable as me, she would not deny herself to me. Oh, God. Like, damn dude, she can do whatever she wants. It's like you're. It's like you're creating a sex slave. Is that what he wants? have agency, you know, and you've used yours for bad things. You're a bad person who does not deserve sharing your life. This is really bad. And you know what was worse? Mulder and Scully take the serial rapist on a road trip to go see Cher, or as I like to say, it was probably just a drag show. <laughs> well, they take the whole town. Is that the whole That's town? That's the whole town. Uh, 
This is so stupid. And then they get up and dance at the end, and then it fades into a comic book. And I think, like, a lot of people in when reviewing it said, you know, it's non-canonical. It's not, you know, it's it's a fictional ending. But the fact of the matter is, it's real, because I had to watch it with my fucking eyes. I had to live through that one-hour episode of The X-Files that made a rapist an apologist and go see Cher and be rewarded at the end. If I had to see it, it's real to me. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I hate everything. Yeah. So are you ready for a couple of real hot takes? Please, just let them flow over my body and cleanse me. Because I read these in the Wikipedia article and I nearly lost it. Good. Let's do it. Let's lose it. Uh, so there is a woman named Diane Negra who wrote a book called Off-White Hollywood, American Culture and Ethnic Female Stardom. And she wrote that while the Great Mutato impregnates both Shayna Berkowitz and Elizabeth Polidori without their consent or knowledge, it is an oversimplification to label the monster as a rapist. Because both Berkowitz <gasps> and Polidori had a desire for children through unconventional oh, means. No! And thus, Mutato's acts allow for the two women to get what they desperately desire in a moment of magical resolution. No, Diane, that's not how it fucking works. Diane! Diane, what are you doing? Hey, hey, Diane? Diane? Fucking check yourself. And furthermore, Jesus. Negra argues that Cher's flamboyant and self-authored body is used as a metaphor for the possibility of self-transformation, and in addition, her voice, heard via songs like Walking in Memphis, is associated with the idea of circumventing patriarchy. Nah. Diane. Nah, dog. It's not. Because it's written by men. Diane. You're, you're killing me, Diane. <laughs> Diane, you're giving me a real hard time with all this. Diane, no. <laughs> oh, God. That's not it. Diane, you're breaking my heart. Do you think Cher just, like, wants to sue Well, no, because and Cher, Cher actually said, so they she had agreed to do a part. Then she found out they wanted her to sing, not act. And she said she wouldn't appear as herself in any episode, like, until she'd seen the final, because she didn't know what it would be like. Yeah. And then she said, she said, had I foreseen the quality of it, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Oh, Cher. Cher. Cher, Cher, Cher. I would just to say, like, maybe Cher was, like, super on drugs back then, so <laughs> she's excused. Okay. Right? Yeah, I'm cool 90s? with it. 90s? The 90s were hard on everyone. <laughs> uh, so that's that episode. Uh, it was very bad, and it should feel bad. And we feel bad because of it, but we can't do anything because this episode still exists and people still like it, and it won some Emmys, Allison. Oh, God, no. Why? Hey, why? Hey, can I make you feel better about our world we live in? You can absolutely make me feel better. Yesterday was a election in the United States. Yes. And in Virginia, a man who was chief homophobe in Virginia was replaced by a trans woman in office. Hell yeah. And that makes me feel so good. There were a total of uh, six trans people elected in yesterday's elections. Well, yesterday for us. Yes. And um, a man in new jersey who basically commented that the after the women's march why the hell uh, isn't my dinner ready uh because all these women are at the women's march where was defeated by a woman yes 
So there is a little bit of good in the world, Allison, and I'm going to hold on to that and I'm going to flush this episode and my notes down the toilet. That sounds perfect. Let's rate this fucker. Okay. I rate on a spooky scale. One is I want to sleep. Five is I'll never sleep again. Um, I give this a .05 and I give it a .05 because all I want to do is stay awake angrily and punch a picture of Chris Carter that I've placed on my pillow. That must be weird for your husband, but okay. Well, yeah. I mean, we have a lot to work through. <laughs> um, so I rate on a rage scale. It goes from one to Excelsis Day, which is the worst episode we've ever watched. For me, Excelsis Day is still the reigning champ. Yes. Um, but I'm going to give this a 10. Yes. I, I, and you know what? I felt it in my bones. This is number two worst episode we have watched. Absolutely, without a doubt. And I think number three is home. Do you? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. God. And it kills me because people find this episode kooky and funny and cute and it won Emmys and it just, it's, oh, so so bad yeah and i I mean you can't even really make the argument that like oh it's a comedy because also like all the elements of comedy in this episode are punching down like in a classist way in an ableist way it just it's awful top to bottom yeah we didn't even mention the ableism no but we didn't even touch on that i mean it's huge and it's there yup it's there and we're not anymore flesh noise we're done with that so I have some X-Files news for you, Allison. Yay! Do you really mean yay? No! <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years, rocking our peers, putting saucers in fears. Investigation, overpowering. Over the FBI, we're towering. Mama said beam you up. eonline.com slash ca slash news reports. Jillian Anderson is probably done with the X-Files. And that's okay. Hmm. Jillian Anderson plans to close her final case on the X-Files with season 11. Anderson, who has been playing Dana Scully on and off since the show debuted in 1993. Holy shit, that's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Told press she was likely done with the character and series after the upcoming season. The second season in the revival. And that's fine. Actually... It's more than fine. I want to believe. No, I know. It's great. You know what? E! News gets us. Yeah, I think that I really like that because I feel the same way. Like, it's time. It's time. It's time to just leave. Uh, she says in a interview at New York Comic Con, no, no, I think this will be it for me. Which makes me think that she's been asked this a million times and she's just like, I'm fucking done. But I have to say it nicely. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Anderson says she returned for another round of episodes because it felt like it wasn't over. Didn't feel like we necessarily delivered everything the fans were expecting of us last time. And so it was that. Allison. Mm. Chris Carter is keeping Jillian Anderson hostage by writing cliffhangers. Oh, God. Save her. (laughs) Somebody. Uh, As Anderson seemed to note, season 10 wasn't the strongest batch of episodes in the X-Files lore. Huh. Hmm. There were some high points despite how fun it was to see Mulder and Scully mix it up on TV again. There were more than a few muddled low points. 
This season, season 11, seemed poised to give answers about William, Mulder and Scully's son, and more about the cigarette-smoking man, William B. Davis, and the whole overarching conspiracy storyline. Wrap it up. Tell a strong story. Go out on top. I thought I was done after season 10, Jillian tells the crowd at New York Comic Con. She says she wasn't surprised about getting the call about season 11, but she did say she was surprised at her answer. That answer it was yes, obviously. <laughs> so here's the ending. Mulder and Scully are TV icons, unfortunately. Let them go out with dignity. Eh, heads held high. Television, especially American TV, tends to go on until every last dime is squeezed out. Just because it can happen doesn't mean it needs to be. Let Mulder and Scully have a concrete ending, one benefiting the characters whom fans have come to know, love, and respect. But here's the thing about this uh, this lovely uh, E! News article, Allison. Chris Carter has already stated that season 11 is also going to be a cliffhanger. Okay, so... well. Sorry, Jillian, you might just be screwed. You might just be doing this forever, like us. Cursed. <laughs> Maybe the witch that cursed us also cursed Jillian Anderson. Starting to seem very likely. Oh, boy. Well, I will post that article on our Facebook page. And remember, this is your first and only news source for the season 11 X-Files revival. Yeah, that's us. First and best X-Files commentary. (laughs) Oh, boy. I was thinking the official X-Files podcast of SJWs. Hells yes. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I like it. Um, let's do some predictions, dude. Sounds good. Anything could happen based on a name. Anything could happen when you're playing the prediction game. Tell me, Allison, what's it gonna be? A way to dredge up all of your childhood anxiety. So to recap, Allison, in terms of prediction points, Mm -hmm. you are at a full point. And I received no points for this episode, I believe. I don't believe you got any, no. No. I believe that we actually, someone built a actual Frankenstein monster humunculus from dead people's body parts. That didn't happen. And uh, no Universal Studios movie monsters, I don't think. Nope. So you have a point. I have a half a point. Allison. Yeah. Season five, episode six, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. So this is a Christmas episode. That's obvious. <laughs> I mean, who, who GD knows, Allison? <laughs> <laughs> Should I go for what I think it is or what I want it to be? You can do, I mean, you're in the lead, so you can do whatever the F you want. I can just fuck my points away. Who cares? You could. Uh, You're rich. You're swimming in points. Okay, so I'm going to say that this is an episode about a woman named Carol. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say that, because that's what I want, too. She is the titular Christmas Carol, uh, (laughs) and that she is kind of like a uh, reverse Robin Hood figure. Oh, wait reverse robin yeah Hood. so there's a really hot toy this year uh-huh <gasps> uh-huh and a different family a, a less well-off family got the last one yes so christmas carol is gonna use these powers that she's hid all her life yeah to get that toy from that family she's gonna go and- down the chimney oh <gasps> 
So she can squeeze. Oh, she can squeeze real good. It's like a squeeze, son of squeeze kind of situation. It's too bad we didn't have an episode like that before where someone could maybe mm, squeeze, squeeze down a. Mm, no, no. Look, I know it's been done. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll give you a half point for um, a actual character named Carol. Yes. And I'll give you a half point for Christmas hijink powers that lead to evil. Okay, sounds good. I also want to tell you the top toys of 1997, Allison, because I just Googled it. Okay. Number one, bananas and pajamas figure set. Oh, God. Number two, a ride-on Batmobile. Wow. And number three, a Casper the Friendly Ghost glow-in-the-dark pillow person. Oh, that sounds alarming. Yeah. So I guess uh I guess Carol is on her way to get a pillow person. I think she must be, yeah. Yep. Yup. Or a PlayStation. Because <laughs> those came out in nineteen ninety seven as well. Uh who needs those? Who needs those? I got myself a switch, baby. <laughs> so I wanna go upstairs and play uh arms mm-hmm. and hit people real good online with my long arms. So uh, what do the Space Cadets need to do, Allison? Uh, they need to know that if they want to send us a cool email about spooky stuff in their neighborhood, uh, they can do so at doublexfilespodcast at gmail.com. That's double spelt out, D-O-U-B-L-E. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all under Double X Files. And you can find us on Tumblr at fuck yeah, Double X Files. We fucking love to hear from you guys. So yes. hit us up. Come talk to us. Also, writing reviews on the podcast a thing of your choice really helps us out itunes stitcher um people have been doing that and that means more people find our shows and that means more people started at the beginning and just like love our episodes and we have like three days worth of episodes you guys yeah and it means more people that you can talk to about all the fun jokes that we make and how cool we are and how how our poop is doing Okay, until next time, the The truth truth is is out out there. there. Diane, you're killing us. Come on, Diane. Diane, no!